Hi, I'm Peter Harper, the Managing Director and CEO of Asina Advisors, and this is the Three Pillars Podcast. The objective of the Three Pillars Podcast is to shine a light on the value of a family office and how it can perpetuate wealth creation, preservation, and education, and the value of being purpose-driven. So uh, welcome everyone. We're here for the uh, the next installment of the Three Pillars podcast, where we are focusing on uh, what I view as critical success factors or pillars to a successful family office. And um, you know, one of the topics, uh, you know, last week we talked about our legacy and the impact. Uh, that it has uh, to, to values of a family and purpose of a family. Today, I wanted to focus on accountability and how uh, a strong values system uh, measured and you know, connected with a, a strong system of accountability can make, uh, make families thrive. So I'm joined today by my partner in a senior consulting, Thor Conklin. And uh, Thor has been assisting entrepreneurs with accountability for over 20 years. Um, and you know, I've used Thor to help uh, you know, myself with you know, various aspects within my business when it came to accountability. And, it's, uh, and I found you know, the way he, he thinks uh, super impactful. Uh, so I'm excited to have him here with me today. Thanks for joining Thor. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so, buddy, would you mind just giving everyone a bit of background about yourself and, you know, how you came to, be, to do what you do? Yeah. Um, so, early part of my uh, career, I was uh, in New York working with private equity firms, helping them with their deal transactions, entering and the exiting and the risk management of those programs and those portfolio companies. And then I uh, turned in on to become an entrepreneur about 21 years ago. And about five years ago, really dove into the coaching and the accountability piece because what I found, Peter, was on the surface, so many entrepreneurs seem to have everything all together. Uh, it looked great and shiny on the outside and you lift up the hood and you very quickly started to uncover some things that were going to bring the house down or potentially bring the house down. And all they needed to do was to make some shifts. And if they were able to make these shifts, uh, they were able to shore up that foundation. So I wanted not only to have uh, entrepreneurs that look good on the outside, but also work well on the inside. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, and, and actually, uh, one big thing I know you've, that you're passionate that you're passionate about, you focus on is um, you know, is is profitability. How how do you think that notion of profitability really dialed back to accountability and and you know to to therefore go into successful sort of family dynamics? Well, yeah, you know, it goes back to, you know, everyone seems to like this shiny exterior. And when you, you know, you get around some friends at the country club, you start talking, how's business going? What's everyone talking about? Oh, we had 10% uh, uh, top line uh, growth uh, this year. Um, yeah, we're expected to uh, close this big deal. Very rarely is the discussion about the profitability, but at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. What sort of profits can you bring to the bottom line? Because there's only one reason why a business goes out of business, and that's because of lack of cash. Lack of cash as a result of poor profitability. Um, and what really drove me into this area, Peter, was after several successful exits of other businesses, 
I found myself, I purchased a manufacturing company and found myself deep in the mire of a business that it was very difficult. Uh, it was kind of like a roller coaster. And at the end of the day, uh, we just weren't able to produce the profits that we were able to. And through that lesson, that painful lesson, um, I realized that there were so many other entrepreneurs out there that were having difficulty figuring out how to, quite frankly, make a sizable profit. Um, and it's something that I wanted to, to change. Yeah, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, when we first connected and we started to, uh, to talk about this in a lot of depth, you know, I, I, you know, we both been members of EO. The thing that kind of intrigued me about that organization was a lot of folks in there are obsessed with this idea of this big exit, um, without spending the time and effort to really plan on, you know, what are the fundamental economic changes I need to make to my business and, and my lifestyle to make that happen. And, you know, the thing I always love to talk about is, is that an exit is just an acceleration of cash flow. Right, so if you take away cash flow from this side and you've got to preserve it on the other side, then um, yeah, that, that doesn't necessarily seem very exciting to me. And, and that's actually what drove me into, into um, yeah, this idea of, of helping families with family office planning is one, making them really pull back and understand um, you know, decisions that have been made historically around that, that were sort of that were driving economic outcomes and really being focused on you know what their actual actual needs are and i think that's one thing that that you 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 do well when you bring back the accountability it's like okay what, what's this all about why are we why are we doing this um and and you know i think we we've talked about this you know a lot or is the impact of accountability to the family unit, you know, regardless of the best slated plans, if everyone doesn't buy into uh, buy into what the family stands for, whether it's whether it's uh, financially motivated or not, and they do not hold each other accountable um, to those decisions, then you you find yourself where you've got folks that are across purposes, and and you know, it I mean. I imagine at a very simple level, when you're driving, people don't ever seem to have, don't seem to have these issues when they're talking about holding people accountable with their own business. But when it gets to the family dynamic, um, you know, that, that, can, that can change um, dramatically. Would you mind just sharing your thoughts and sort of the war stories around yeah. how you've seen that kind of play out? Yeah, you know, one of the misconceptions I think a lot is, is that accountability is for those that haven't made it yet. You know, you look at Fortune 500 CEOs, what do they have? They have accountability with their chairman. Um, you take the best in sports, uh, Michael Jordan, he had accountability to his other teammates and he had accountability with his, his coaches. They're always having someone, advisors around them that are holding them to the highest standard. You know, very few of us don't know what to, uh, not what to do. We all know what to do, but we don't do what we already know. Why is that? What does that change? Why aren't we doing those things that we know we should be doing? Yeah, you know, look, um, good health. It's pretty easy, right? Great diet, exercise. We don't need another diet book or an exercise book, but we need someone that's going to hold us accountable and drive us towards those ultimate visions and those goals that we set for ourselves. 
And what I find is, and it's come up, I'm blessed to deal with and work with clients that have net worths from 10 to a quarter billion dollars. And what's interesting is, is that very few of them have a plan of what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing. And very few are involving their family and uh, their spouses and their kids. And I just had a client that I onboarded uh, this morning, a matter of fact, that is basically inherited, his, his dad passed away and inherited a very prominent uh, Atlanta family business that's been going on for a hundred years. And he found himself just kind of thrown into this uh, position. It's like, here, you know, you have to now run this. And he's like, I, I, I didn't really, dad never talked to me about running the business. I wasn't involved in the business. Now he's hiring me to help him become a business leader because there was no mentoring. There was no plan. There was no handoff. Um, the, the death was not, uh, there was a sickness and an illness. Uh, so it wasn't like a sudden event. Um, but families that have substantial wealth need to have a plan. There needs to be a uh, succession of, okay, why are you building this wealth, managing that wealth, and then advising and bringing the entire family in on the process. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a great, great story. The, on, the, on the last, um, uh, the last podcast, we had uh, a gentleman, Rick Harrig, and he, he, he's a legacy strategist, and he talks about uh, this concept of this, this arc, right, this story arc of, a, of an entrepreneur, right? And so the challenge that he, he, he says a lot of, um, you know, children have with their, with their parents is they don't, under, they don't, they don't buy in and understand the, the story arc, right? And the, and the reason for that is that a lot of parents are very bad at telling the really painful stories, right? Yeah. But in fact, it's through the pain, it's through sharing the painful stories with your children that they can get to understand the challenges that they start to feel empathy and maybe that there is some common cause that they can get motivated around. I mean, um, that, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about, and you know, this is the cornerstone, I think of what, you know, what we're, we're trying to collaborate with um, on together is that, is that um, when it comes to uh, folks that are sitting in the ultra uh, wealth category, it's this notion of, well, I've got enough money to weather the storm. Uh, you know, I don't, maybe I don't care about the buying of my children because it's just, I'm going to live forever. Or, you know, that's not something that's front of mind or the buying of my spouse. Um, and so, you know, as you've talked about just now with this story, there's this situation where they get to the latter part of their life and they're, they're trying to retrofit purpose mm. in a very short period of time. Right. And I think, you know, the thing that we talk about, and I think that's, that's very impactful is that, if you, if, if, if the family builds a robust governance uh, framework, they, they get each other to engage, um, you know, whether it's, you know, through storytellings or shared experiences, um, you know, with the shared vision, and then they build accountability frameworks around this. Okay, this is like a business, this is the journey we're trying to go on and this is the direction we're hoping to go, go in. This is what success means for the family. Um, then 
people a lot more willing to be be accountable um you know you know to that i mean is, is that your experience yeah you know look wealth building wealth pre preservation you know think about it Let, let's look at it as a company let's look at the family unit as a company could you imagine running the company as the ceo or chairman and not involving anyone else in the organization about how things are done where things are i can't tell you the number of clients that literally don't know where everything is it's spread out all over the place <laughs> i had a, a client um uncover 10 million dollars he's like i think i've got 10 million in a bank in london yeah i think so i, I almost forgot about that account like it might be good to know where all your stuff is sure, sure. um the, the data is all over the place and you, you've got in my mind if you're running a successful organization and a family is nothing more than an organization, what do you do with your organization? You bring people in, your family's obviously already in, but you advise them. This is how we do business. This is what we stand for. This is where we're going. This is our mission. Uh, these are the assets that we have. This is how we, we do what we do. And when it comes to the family unit, so often it's the, uh, you know, the, the matriarch of that family that, doesn't share with the rest. And a big concern with a lot of clients is, I'm gonna be leaving my kids an awful lot of money. I don't know who they're going to be and what they're going to do. And are they prepared to be in that position to get this windfall? And who are they gonna turn out to as individuals? How is this going to affect their lives? How is this gonna affect the lives of my grandkids? These things need to be discussed. There needs to be a plan. No, well, I mean, it was, it was fat. it's a really, really interesting point. I mean, I was having that, this exact discussion with a group of entrepreneurs about, you know, four to six weeks back. And as we we're stepping through each of these things, you know, we were talking about, you know, we were to actually talking about the psychology of wealth. And, you know, um, you know some of the folks there were very, uh, you know, motivated by money outwardly. Um, and then others who had been in, a, in family environments where people were outwardly motivated by money were adversely impacted by that experience with like no money to, that they had this motivation to be more philanthropic in their, their nature. I mean, I think the, I think the biggest thing that I, I think that's consistently overlooked is that um, you may not, entrepreneurs may not think that they're having an impact on the financial decisions of their children because they're not discussing money. They absolutely are molding their children in a way. It might be by, it might be by accident, <laughs> but, and I think in right. most, most of the by, times it is. Most yeah. of the time it is by accident. So, you know, that's the thing, big thing. It's like, you know, if everyone who has this big fear that their kid's going to blow the money, it's probably a pretty good chance they are going to blow the money because those people have not invested the time and been intentional in the way in which they should educate their kids and how they should be, you know, carrying on the, the, the legacy in the next, in the, for, for the next generation. Yeah. And what most people don't understand that don't have considerable wealth is that things don't get easier as you get wealthier. Uh, yes, you have more means. But there's a lot more responsibility and burden that, that, that comes with that. And one of the biggest issues that I have with my wealthiest clients is they spend nothing. It's almost that, you know, going back to the mindset, what is your mindset around money? What is it? What's it used for? Um, 
what's the what's the what's the mindset? How is it established? Um, what do you think about spending money? I I got a client that uh, is worth hundreds of millions that will never has never I, I don't know never but will not fly business because his whole mindset is well if the coach ticket to Europe is a thousand and the business class ticket is six thousand. That's a $5,000 swing, $5,000 invested for the next 10 years at a 12% IRR is going to produce it. I, I can't do that. So they're li they've lived their entire life. Their mindset around money has created the wealth, but now that they have it, it's continuing and they're miserable sure. because they feel they're caught in this um, scarcity model sure. and they have more. More than enough. In this particular case, they spend three percent of their uh, their uh, annual uh, income, which is fine. So my next question to to this individual was, why are you doing this? You know, are you trying to build up as much uh, uh, wealth as possible so you can give it to your kids? Fine. Uh, you want to give it away? No answer. Not a clue. Yeah. Not a clue. What's? But it was things that he picked up in his childhood, the things that he saw from his parents, he adopted their, their, their blueprint yep. and it worked very successfully. But there comes a time in life where you might want to pull out the blueprint. Uh, Apple, Apple phone, right? Great product. They all update their software generally 12 to 13 times a year. Why? Because the old model, the old blueprint was great for them, but now it needs to be updated. And most people haven't looked at their financial blueprint. And people that really should be living amazing, happy, successful, fulfilled lives almost see wealth as a burden sometimes. Well, you know, it's really fascinating because this was a, this was actually another topic that came up recently where we with another colleague of mine, and we were talking about you know purpose-driven mindset. I think a lot of the challenge for folks that have, you know, everyone in their mind has a, an idea of what success looks like, right? And most of the time when folks get there, um, it's, it's, it's what's, what's, what's next for, for them. And so for, for people that are, are, are adapt to this, and Bill Gates is a great example of this, right? He's like, okay, in order to still be driven by purpose, you need to find something that's not attainable. So what's what's the oh, okay, I'm going to get everyone who's wealthy to give their money away. I'm like, that's a huge hag. may not be able to achieve it, but he's got a purpose. He's got, got real purpose around that. Where folks don't make that next leap, right? They tend to look inward and they tend to get, tend to put their arms around their money and become, you know, quite protectionist in the way they, in the way they live their lives. Because, it, it, because in many cases, They've hit their objective, they've hit their purpose, but they, they haven't been able to reshape what their what the next stage yeah. looks like. Yeah. Right? They live in fear. Yeah. And and you know, I think um I think the uh the the the, the um the biggest thing I want folks to sort of take away from um today is to say, okay, is one is to accept that everyone has some predetermined um, psychology that's probably been developed in their childhood around money, right, and, and around accountability associated with it. Yep. Um, that uh, that if you have children, there's probably a pretty good chance that your children are going to have 
some maybe carry some of the same issues you have if you don't if you don't address it. And um, and then you know uh, financial habits for children will will exist whether you're intentional about it or whether or whether you you do it by you know by by way of accident, right? So uh, again, you know. So the thing that when we first, you know, when I first met you and we started working together, the thing that was super impactful uh, in the way in which you sort of drove accountability is, is one, understanding, understanding the baseline for your existing blueprint, right? Is it working or is it broken? And then, you know, what does accountability have to look like for yourself and the broader family? Yeah. Um, so Thor, you know, the, the final sort of thing um, I wanted to wanted to step through. Well, question for you: What are the three things for folks that don't have their accountability locked down, and whether it's fiscal accountability or it's some other part of their life that they're not happy happy with? You know, what would be the three things that you would, you know, you would suggest that they sort of focus on? Number one is you got to understand your approach to money. You know, what is it, what has it been, what is it now, and what does it need to be in order to achieve the vision that you have set? And if you don't have a vision, well, we got to start there. Where are you going? Where are you now? Where are you going? What's been your mindset for the money? And what does it need to be? Does it need to change? Sometimes it doesn't have to change. Mm -hmm. I'm always after, I believe success is happiness and fulfillment. And wealth is a piece of it but it's a piece. And if you have the wealth piece, but you don't have the happiness and fulfillment piece, something needs to shift. Next is you've got to really understand the numbers. You've got to understand the data. You need to have a system where everything is captured in one place. And you're looking at this at a minimum of once a month. Once a month, you got to be looking at everything. Where are things? Where are they going? What has been the performance? You've got to track and you've got to measure. And then based on that tracking, the measuring, you can start to make the adjustments. Most people don't know what to do and what changes to make because they don't understand the data. A, a client, a uh, matter of fact, I'm seeing on Thursday is he thought he was going broke. I was like, all right, well, let's go through the numbers. So we did a, a best case scenario, a normal uh, case and a, lower, uh, and a worst case. I said, here's basically what has to happen for you to go broke. First, you're going to have to quadruple your spending. Mm -hmm. uh, the housing market is going to have to go down by 75% and remain there. Uh, commercial assets have to go down at least 75% and remain there for the next 20 years. Um, you're going to have to make some bad investments. You're probably going to have to lose, you know, all of your capital and a couple of investments. And even when you're done with all of that, you're still not going to go broke. So... I'm not, quite frankly, I don't know how to make, make you go broke if you wanted to go broke. If, if your goal was, how do I end up losing all my money? I, I don't know how to get you there. Uh, but he couldn't sleep. He's yeah. like, the world is ending and I'm going to go broke. It's like, I, I can't see it. I can't come up with the scenario. And then finally is, and we talked about this earlier, is you've got to involve a family. Approach this as a family. Um, what's been interesting in the last probably 18 months, I've gotten engaged more than I would have thought to work with family members, work with college students, work with kids that are going, getting ready to go to college. Because 
so often our educational system doesn't train these kids, young adults, for the next phase of their life. Who's teaching them? Who is teaching them money management? They can't even balance a checkbook. I said that to somebody recently, like, it was a millennial that is a very successful millennial. Uh, and she's like, I've never uh, or balanced a checkbook. She's worth, you know, probably $20 million. And uh, she goes, I've never uh, did one. And she's trying to come up with a course to teach grammar school, middle school, uh, high school, and college students life skills. And yeah. part of those life skills is financial management because they don't get it and they're not getting it. It's not part of the, the school curriculum. So if they're not getting in school, they got to get it somewhere. And like you said before, they're seeing what you're doing as the leader of the family and they're going to emulate that style, whatever that is. And it's not what you say, it's what you do. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. That's great advice. And, and you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You get it. It's all about data and getting what you measure. I mean, and, and, um, and, you know, I think when, when fam families who uh, are intentional, uh, focus on strong education for their children, you know, teach them fiscal and life skills rather than saying, hey, this is a thing that they have to worry about when they're, when they're adults, you know, whatever an adult is these days. Um, I think those, those are the families that, that thrive and, 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 um, and, and win. So, um, so Thor, thank you very, very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, you know, as always, I really enjoyed discussing this topic with you and um, looking forward to seeing you next time. Uh, Peter, I really appreciate it. As you can tell, I'm really passionate about this. It is, it is such an important topic. And um, I, I just wish that more people would pay attention to it uh, because it, it's, it sets a direction for their kids. And uh, as far as, as a parent, uh, I think that's so important. I, uh, I'll tell a quick story and we'll sign off here. Uh, when my daughter was uh, a senior in high school, uh, she wanted to buy a car. And I said, well, I'm not the kind of the dad that just buys cars and gives them to kids. I said, you can work for it. She goes, well, I'm, I'm in school. I'm supposed to be working doing that. I said, fine, I'm going to hire you. And I want you to do a P&L and a balance sheet every month. And I'll pay you a salary to present that from her babysitting and all the other jobs. She hated it. She despised it. I said, if you're, if you're more than five days late, you don't get your salary for the, the, the month before. And then if you don't pay the car uh, note, then the car gets repossessed. Yeah. And I actually even charged her 10%. My wife hated that idea. <laughs> I'm like, look, this is real life, right? You know, banks don't loan you the money for uh, that. They don't have a credit to you either. So well, now they almost <laughs> loan it to you for nothing. But I'm like, I, I want to teach my kids life lessons. And she, she hated it. Even my wife hated that I was doing this. But she came to me, uh, she was probably about 23, 24. And she said, Dad, that was the best lesson ever. Because she realized that she was spending too much money on Starbucks. And she's like, you know, in the course of a year, I spent $700 on Starbucks. I could have taken that and I could have gone on vacation. I could have done something else with it. So it wasn't about her spending the money. It was about the realization of where it was going. And she started to understand how many kids are a senior in high school understand what a PL and a balance sheet are. No, that's, that's fantastic. I, I love the really, really great stories. Well, thank, thanks for ever being on. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Bye.
That was another episode of the Three Pillars podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. You can find more information about our firm at asceneradvisors.com. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter for frequent updates and weekly blogs. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast whenever you're listening and check in every Wednesday for another episode. This has been the Three Pillars podcast.